0: question for our generation and for every generation is this if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any human or any natural disasters could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there he says, let's be honest here, really, really, you could go to heaven today, let's say today, you could go to heaven with all of your friends, all of your family, you'll never be sick again, there's no death, everything you've ever enjoyed, the most beautiful place on the earth. But Christ wasn't there, would you be happy? And I thought, man, so much of my life, I, I I'd have to say yes. Yes. I wasn't really in love with Jesus. I was in love with the stuff that he offered. I was in love with forgiveness. I was in in love with escaping his wrath. I was in love with this thought of being with all of my friends and family in heaven. But was I truly in love with Jesus himself? Earlier this year, I I had the honor of of burying my, my wife's grandmother. Grandma Clara. Grandma Clara was ninety-four years old, and uh, and for the last ten years, I've wanted her to die. Um, not not in a bad way, because but that came out wrong. I. She's wanted to die, you know what I mean? She's just one of those saints where she's like, oh, Lord, just take me. Her body's whittling away, and she just couldn't wait to be with her. My, my wife grew up with, with Grandma, and, and she talked about how every morning, every morning, she would hear crying in the room next door. Every morning, she'd hear her grandmother sobbing as she would talk to God and tell him how much she loved him. She was just madly in love with Jesus. She would tell my my wife, you know, see this little corner of the bed? That's where I pray every morning. And all day long when I pass that corner of the bed, I, I I say to Jesus, I can't wait till tomorrow morning. I can't wait to be alone with you again. I can't wait to have that special time. And that was grandma. Every time I called their house, you know, hey grandma, what are you doing? She goes, oh, there's always something about God. She goes, I'm just cutting the flowers and thanking Jesus for making them so beautiful. i oh, that's great, Grandma. I call her again. Okay, Grandma, what are you doing? She goes, oh, God is so good. I'm like, okay, what did he do this time? She goes, I was baking a cake and I left out two ingredients, but he still made it taste good. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything, everything was Jesus, but you know, the most amazing thing she did, in my eyes, was one day, we're at this play. We're sitting at a play. It's me and my wife and her, all of her family, and we're sitting at this play. It's, and, uh, and I'm sitting next to Grandma. And the play's totally fine. It's totally clean. Everything's good. But then at halftime, I look over at Grandma. And I go, hey, Grandma, what do you, what do you think of the play so far? And she goes, oh, honey, I don't want to be here. I'm like, neither do I. But what's your reason? And she goes, I just don't know if this is where I want to be when Christ returns. She goes, I'd rather, I'd rather be serving someone. I'd rather be at home praying to him, telling him how much I love him. I'd rather him find me praying for you and the church and everything else. I don't want him to come in while I'm watching a play. And I thought, no way you take that book literally? I mean, you, I mean, who do you know? Seriously, who have you ever met who literally thinks all day long Jesus could return? I want to be found doing something that he wants me doing. I'd never seen it in my life. I've heard it preached. I've preached it. But this woman literally all day long is thinking, Jesus, I just want you to come. I want you to come. And I want you to find me doing something that you love. And, ah, oh, that had such an impact on me because I, I just, I didn't watch the second half of the play. I just kept thinking, maybe she knows something. And, uh, but the whole time I'm thinking, I, I am not, I am not going to waste this time. I'm going to pray and pray and pray and and so for all these years, I thought, you know, grandma's always going, oh, maybe Jesus wants me here when he returns, because I don't know why else he'd have me here. And she's sharing with people. She was right up here in the Bay Area in, in, in an elderly home, and she, she would sh- share with everyone there. And she goes, maybe God has more for me here, but I, I just want to be with him. I just want to be with him. I just want to be with him. See, she, when it came time to do her funeral, I was so sad. I mean, here's something I wanted for so long for her because she wanted to see Jesus so bad. But the reason why I was sad was she was that example to me of someone who was in love with Jesus. I've got a lot of examples in my life of great pastors, men of God who stay pure, men of God who are willing to preach the word of God. I've got examples of that. I know some of you guys serve like crazy. You work hard for the Lord. And I know a lot of people who've done some great things for God. But how many people in your life are truly lovers of Jesus? The person of Jesus Christ. See, to me, that's what she was. And and so often I get busy with all this other stuff and I forget the most important thing. Some of you are pastors. My question is, are you in love with Jesus right now? Honestly, in love. You know what it's like to be in love. Are you in love with him right now? Because you can be really successful as a pastor without being in love with Jesus. I, I figured that out. Man, it hit me a few years ago. Man, I realized, wow, I'm not really in love with Jesus. Honestly, I don't really love my congregation. They're starting to really bug me. I really were. But man, was the church growing. And people start seeking after me. Hey, will you speak here? Will you speak there? It's like, well, I don't love God. don't love people. Is that all right? That's fine. That's fine. You're funny. You know, it's just. I mean, the truth is, is you can be a very successful pastor in America without loving God and without loving people. And that's just a, a small problem considering that sums up this whole book. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. With everything that's in you. God says this is about love. It's always been about love. I mean, that was Deuteronomy 6, 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one and you shall love. Love him. That's what God wants from me. He wants that. That's what any father wants from his child. And and God gives us that picture and says, Do you love me? Or you just want heaven? You just want forgiveness? You just want to use me? You just want what I can offer? Or are you in love with me as a person? I I love what he says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 2. God says. To, to Jerusalem, to Israel, in, in Jeremiah 2, verse 2, he says, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest, and all who devoured her were held guilty And disaster, overtook them, the Lord said. Then verse 5, he says, what fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? And they followed these worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Verse 12, he says, Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God says to Israel, oh, I, remember, I remember when you were younger. I remember how you used to follow me around like this young bride. You just adored me. He goes, what happened to those days? What happened to those days when it was all about love? And, 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 and in chapter 3, in chapter 3, verse 19, he says, How gladly would I treat you like sons and give you a desirable land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me, but like a woman unfaithful to her husband, so you have been unfaithful to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. He goes, what have I ever wanted from you? He says to Israel, he goes, I was going to give you the most beautiful land. I would have given you so much. Don't you understand? I had all of this in store for you, and then you walk away from me. It's the same thing Jesus says. Remember in Matthew 23 when he comes to Jerusalem and, and he begins to weep and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you under my wings like a hen gathers her chicks, but you weren't willing. Because that's all I wanted for you. I just wanted to get you over here. I just wanted this love relationship with you, but you kept running away from me to these other things. And jesus says look this is the greatest commandment love the lord your god with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself he says the church in revelation 2 remember the church in uh, ephesus where he says you've done so many great things he goes but you've forsaken your first love that that passage always uh, surprised me because he, when he says that he says look here's here's here he goes i know your deeds I know your hard work, I know your perseverance, I know you can't tolerate wicked men. You've persevered, you've endured hardships for my name, you have not grown weary. He goes, yet I hold this one thing against you, you've forsaken your first love. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. But here's what surprises me, he goes, if you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See, that shocked me. I understand that Jesus was not happy that they didn't love him. But, but, but look at all the other good things they did. Man, he just said, you guys work hard. You toil to the bone. You persevere. Remember when people were persecuting? You stood firm. You don't tolerate wickedness. You're not one of these churches that just says anything goes. He says, man, you don't tolerate wicked men. You know the word of God then when false prophets came in, you said, man, get out of here. You're teaching false doctrine. They're doing a lot of good things. But he says, but you don't love me. And if you don't start loving me, I'm just going to remove the whole church. Isn't that crazy? See, Jesus says, I'd rather you not exist as a church than be a church that doesn't love me. Love is that important to me. That, this sums up everything. This is all I've ever wanted from you. See, I I know this week's theme is love one another, but don't you understand that love one another comes from our relationship with God. It starts with a love for God. A little while back, I was looking at Matthew 25. You guys know the passage, the sheep and goat judgment, where Jesus says, I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. And I thought, I've heard this passage my whole life. I've heard it my whole life, but can we really take that literally? That that's Jesus over there starving, that that's Jesus that's thirsty, that that's Jesus without clothes? And I started thinking, you know, we we talk about loving God, but is there a more tangible way to love God than to love the least of these? He says, that's me. I am starving. I am hungry. So if I love Jesus, if I'm in love with God like I say I am, man, I try to think, okay, I I mean, if I'm in Jesus' shoes and I'm the least of these and I'm starving, what do I want people to do? I want them to sing to me? man, that's fine, sure, bring a crowd, sing to me, but a sandwich would be nice. And I just started saying to the church, wait a second, if we really love Jesus, Jesus says, well, then love the least of these, because that's me. I'm going to be judged for this. And the whole love one another in our church came out of this idea of, wait, no, I have to love Jesus first and foremost, and that's how I love Jesus, is by loving these others. Yeah, I, I tell you, it, it's... Uh It's been a crazy, crazy year at my church. I've been there 13 and a half years. A church I started a little over a year ago. I quit. I stopped because I was just kind of going nuts in my head. Because I'd read some of these passages and go, we're not living this out. Was this a game we're playing? And what really hit me was one night laying down with my wife. I said, you know what, honey? You know what's really killing me? Is that if Jesus had a church in Simi Valley, I bet you mine would be bigger. I bet you people would leave his church and come to mine. Because I know how to keep a crowd. He doesn't. He calls them this a commitment. Hey, you know, you got to hate your father and mother. And they were leaving by the droves. See, I don't call people the same commitment that Jesus calls them to. You know, it's driving me nuts. I'm just laying in bed. I go, honey, I can't sleep, man. If the Apostle Paul had a church in Simi Valley, mine would be bigger. This isn't right. Am I really, do I really love Jesus? I'm really willing to say whatever he's called me to say. And I took that summer off and just go, wow, am I for real? Am I really a pastor? Am I really living for Jesus? Am I, it's not about being a pastor because you can be a great pastor. It's about being a Christian. It's like, wow, I'm very successful as a pastor, but as a Christian, I'm not so sure. Man, do I really love Jesus? Is this stuff real in my heart? I've got to be right about this because my life's going to be over any second. I know this. And I remember just dealing with all this stuff and going, no, no, we got to come back. And God has called me to this church. He's called me to love this church. And I've got to lead them in the biblical way. And, and just remember coming home and saying, guys, we, I can't do this anymore. This has got to be all or nothing. And, and we had this big building program, right? Built, big building project, a 60 million dollar building project. And I looked at this thing, and I go, no, I, I can't. I, I looked at the elders, and I go, I'm sorry you guys, I just can't do it anymore. I'm looking at this plan and this little city we're gonna build here, and I can't do it, not if Jesus is starving. I go, how can I spend 60 million dollars? I go, I go, what about this? What if, rather than spending it on that, why don't we just build, a, why don't we just make a big lawn? Because I think this is what Jesus would do. He would just say, just meet me out the lawn if you want to hear from me. And why don't we just sit outside and give the money to the poor? And give those millions of dollars to the poor? I go, Isn't that what Jesus would do? And wouldn't it be awesome if, if everyone in our city saw thousands of people sitting out on the grass... Because we said, well, we we're trying to be like Jesus. You see, Jesus laid down his life for his brothers and we're, you know, for us. And we're going to lay down our lives for our brothers just like 1 John 3:16 tells us to. And what if we build a, a headquarters for children's hunger fund there instead? And so then I start getting all the complaints. And people are like, well, but what about when it's hot? And what about when it rains? And I said, you guys ever heard of the Green Bay Packers? I said, every weekend this winter, 72,000 people, 72,000 people will sit through a storm in Green Bay for four hours. Why? Because they're crazy. (laughs) Right? Because they are crazy about the Green Bay Packers. And there are 71,000 people on a waiting list to wait to sit through that storm because they're fanatic about the Packers. I go, don't you think we could find a few thousand people that are crazy enough about Jesus Christ? How about Jesus Christ? That they would suffer through an hour of Southern California weather? <laughs> to feed Jesus? You think we can pull that off? And people are like, man, it's going to rain. What, like once a year? (laughs) Dry off? I go, man, that would just be the coolest feeling to be sitting on the rain. Just knowing, I know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing this. Because I really love Jesus. And I said, you know what? And why don't we just change our whole budget? I said, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Why don't we give to our neighbor as much as we spend on ourselves? Let's cut our church budget in half. I'll fire a bunch of people, and uh, <laughs> let's just let's just go. You know, if it's six, seven million we bring in, let's say we give away three and a half million. What, what, whatever we bring in, let's let's give away half. Let's love Jesus. Let's be the real thing, man. And there's just been this new fire at the church, and I was like, man, what happened to Francis? And people are starting to leave. People left. I'm like, praise God, you know. <laughs> that's what happened to Jesus, you know, and it's just like we have to love him, but I'm done playing games, because here's the thing, I don't want to come to the end of my life, I don't want to come to the end of my life and stand before God with thousands of people that that are lukewarm, that kind of love Jesus, kind of love each other, sort of, and say, look, look, there's thousands of them though, Jesus, and Jesus goes, spit them out of my mouth I don't want that I want to stand before the throne and I go there's only a few of them left (laughs) but God you saw how they lived on that earth man these guys were crazy about you you saw the way they lived man they gave everything to you they were in love with you you saw that when they were on the earth isn't that the bride that Jesus is looking for that's what I see in this book See, for too many years, I would look at this book and I would read things. And then I would look at the church and go, wow, that just doesn't match up. And it drove me crazy. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. There are times when you are alone and you open up this book and and, and it hits you, doesn't it? Where you go, man, this is so different from church today. I don't even know where to start. And it's been killing me for years. But then you go to church and everyone else seems okay with it. So you just kind of sink in and go, well, I guess I'm fine. And people are saying that I'm godly. And I'm just done with that. We just pretend that we have peace. And it's not right. Man, so it's just so, it's been one of the greatest years. uh, Definitely the greatest year of ministry. For me, my church, I mean, we we just got a bunch of, man, psychos down there in my church now. (laughs) They will do anything, whatever, and it's just such a joy to go, wow, you guys, they're going all around the world now. They're giving like crazy. It's, it's been nuts, and God's been faithful. God's been faithful. We, we committed. We said, hey, you know, let's just, children's hunger. let's give them a million dollars this year. This was just last week, and I, you know, it was our second payment. I'm like, wow, every three months, we give them a quarter million dollars, and, and, and I was like, Wow. We ran really tight over the summer, God. Are we going to get through this thing? And a quarter million dollars. And we usually get about $90,000 a weekend. I didn't announce anything. Guess what our offering was last weekend? $251,000. I go, no way. I was like, Lord, you're doing it. You're doing it. I I didn't even ask for the money. I didn't even tell them this was the week of the payment. It just comes in everything. Don't you love it when the supernatural things happen that way? Where it's like, you know what? It just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And I've always seen it in my personal life. And this was the first year I said, Lord, I'm going to test it with the church. You've been faithful to me as an individual. You'd be faithful to Cornerstone Church. Man, I know it's going to run lean because we're giving away so much. But you just make it happen when it's supposed to happen. And our God is so faithful. And I I just love it because I finally, as a pastor, don't feel like I'm playing any games. I don't feel like I'm playing church. I'm just saying this is Christianity. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And... My prayer for you this weekend is, if you feel like you've been playing games or whatever else, it's it's not anything to rebel against the pastor or anything like that. It's about you as an individual. It's about you discipling others. Because, you know, sometimes when I give a message like this, people go and they want to chew out their pastor. And it's like, no, 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 it's not even about that. I got convicted by people in my church living it. You know, it, it, it's, that's convicting when you see the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. Because I'm guessing it's not about your pastor. Because I bet you your pastor didn't tell you, hey, don't give too much. <laughs> don't hold prayer meetings at your house. I'll kick you out. You know, don't. No, he would love that. It's just to do those things and to disciple. Because so often we want to blame our church. We want to say, well, my church isn't like yours. My pastor's not like you. That same thing Adam did, right? He says, ah, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> and we want to say, ah, it's that church you gave me. It's that pastor you gave me. No, he says, you, you go and make disciples. You make disciples. And you teach them to observe everything, everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always. I'll be with you. And there's nothing like that, nothing like the peace of Jesus, you're with me. And let's lead these people to become more and more like you, to love like you. I love following Jesus. I just love it. I just absolutely love it. And I love him. And my prayer is that you would be madly in love with him. And if this weekend you're not, get some time away. Get some time alone. Just run in the Father's arms. Just put your arms around him. Would you join me at the word of prayer right now? Father, many of us remember being in love with you. And God, then we got into ministry. And God, we just get so distracted about being successful. When you say success is the person who's madly in love with you. God, give us the boldness to say whatever you want us to say. Help us to be so in love with you that we'll say anything to those who we're leading. But I pray for these church leaders, many of whom are tired, that are working, working, working for you. That this would be a weekend where they realize The number one priority has to be loving you. And yet, God, we beg you right now because we can't just muster up love for you. Even that requires the Holy Spirit. So I ask that the Holy Spirit would just create this thirst in us and this hunger for you. Give us a love like we've never had. And then we have churches that are not lukewarm preparing people to be spit out of your mouth. But we may, may we have churches that make you their first love and adore you. And may our love for one another flow from an adoration for you, almighty God, who gave his one and only son, that we could be forgiven and begin this love relationship with you. I love you, God. I love you. You. In Jesus' name, amen.